Now, the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. That time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am. And ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you. I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak. For your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day, I uh, will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God. And he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you, and more also, if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord, And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord, and the word of Samuel came to all Israel. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we uh, thank you for your word. We love your word and to study it, and we we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to be our teacher and, and bring these words to life for us and and, um, and press them into our minds and into our hearts and to, to how we live. And um, that we would respond to your word with, with faith. We would believe your word and, and with obedience. That we would do what you call us to do. And uh, so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, today uh, our, our topic is we are, we're copying, talking about God's call on our individual lives. 
And uh, the story that I, I just read is the, the charming story about uh, Samuel when he was a boy growing up in the tabernacle uh, under, uh, under the priests. And it records the night that God called uh, Samuel to bring the word of the Lord to the people of Israel. And uh, he was the first prophet in Israel since the time of Moses. And there are parallels between uh, Abraham and Moses, you know, where the Lord called Moses, Abraham, Abraham. And then Moses said to the Lord, here I am. This is the same things that that Samuel says. Now, uh, we are not uh, Moses's or Samuel's or Abraham's, but... There are so many details in this story about calling that I think um, this passage is valuable for us to glean wisdom about God's call in our lives. And so the question of calling is such an important one in the Christian, Christian life. What is the ministry that God is calling each one of us to in our lives? How does he want each of us to serve him in his kingdom? And if you are a Christian, you have a calling to serve Christ in his kingdom. And by calling, I don't just mean that you're called to be a pastor or called to be a missionary. We want as broad a definition as we can of God's calling. It's whatever, wherever he takes us to serve him, that is his calling in our lives. And so it will be for some people, they're going to you know, work full-time or part-time in the church, or they're going to give themselves this sacrificial volunteer work. But uh, for others, it's not going to be in the church. It's out in our community. It's out, you know, being teachers or being uh, working with, in the government or working in neighborhoods. For others, it might be in your job or in your vocation or it might be in your home. If you're, you're a mother, a parent, you're raising, uh, raising children. Or maybe if you are older or retired, it might look like prayer or encouragement for younger people. This is all ministry. It is all calling. And each of us has a calling if we are Christians. What a calling is, is when your personal gifting and God's providential opportunities, the opening of doors, come together. Your gifts and an opportunity tied with a a stirring inside of you of the Holy Spirit. It's those three things. Your gifts, the opening of doors and opportunities, and the stirring of the Holy Spirit within you. When those three come together, that's God's calling in our lives. So that we have the unique opportunity to work for God's kingdom in some small part of his creation. And so uh, this morning I'd like to think about God's call for us as individuals and as a community. And I'd like to do that by answering three questions for us from this passage. Three questions. And this is what they are. When does a call happen? How does a call happen? And what do we do when we are called? What should we do when we're called? So When does a call happen? How does a call happen? And what do we do when we're called? And, you know, this sermon is probably not going to answer specifically for you what your calling is with your life. But my hope is it will give you some categories for uh, thinking through it as as you pray about this for your own life. So three questions this morning. The first is this. When does a call happen? When does a call happen? And what we see in this passage is that calling happens... When there is a need. There is a need. There were many things that were happening in Israelite culture during this moment that came about that brought uh, uh, Samuel's calling. And I want to highlight three needs that were happening in, in Israel when, in, during the time that Samuel was called. So first, when does a calling happen? First, a calling happens when there's a need for God's word. And you see that in verse 1 where it says, Now the young man Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli, and the word of the Lord 
was rare in those days, there was no frequent vision. Samuel's call happens when the word of the Lord was rare. Now, in the 11th century uh, B.C., they didn't have Bibles like we all have. You know, we all have Bibles in our house. There's Bibles here at the church. Uh, you know, they, they had probably at least the, the first five books of Moses, probably several copies of them uh, th- throughout the land. But during Samuel's time, the, the priests who were supposed to teach God's word were not teaching it. They didn't even obey it. And the way that they were worshiping God was contrary to what the books of Moses had said. And this neglect for God's word had resulted in abuse of God's people. We've been looking at that the last few weeks. God is being dishonored. And so God calls people when a society has lost the knowledge of God's word. When you look at our society right now, there is a steep decline in the knowledge of the scriptures in our society right now. And for many Christians, you know, they're anxious that that's going to lead to just a total decay of, of our society. If we lose the kind of foundation of truth that's built our society. But we should remember, this is when God calls people. And when, there's, when the word of the Lord is rare, that's when God's calling happens. So it's times just like this when God begins to call people. So first, when does the calling happen? First, when, when the, Lord of the word of the Lord is rare. Second, God's calling happens when there is a need for new leaders. God calls people when there is a need for new leaders. And you see that in verse 2, where it says, At that time Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. Now, Eli was the high priest of the the ruling class in Israel during this time, with a priest. And this verse says that Eli is getting old. You know, he can't see. We're going to find out in the next chapter that both his sons are going to die. And so this, this whole dynasty of a ruling class is dying out. And so there's an opportunity for new leaders to emerge. And when God raises up new leaders, it's never from the centers of power. You know, it's some family that no one's ever heard of, no one thought was important, and God stirs in them and he chooses people and he calls them and he raises them up to do the work of of building his kingdom. He doesn't go to the center of power. And you think, what an incredibly hopeful truth that with all the craziness that's happening in our society right now, It is precisely in that kind of setting that God calls people. But there's a third answer to when does God call people, okay? It's when there's the word of the Lord is rare, when there's a need for new leaders. But third, God calls people also when there is a need for revival. And you see in verse 3 what it says, the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel is lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. So this is an interesting verse. The lamp of God would be referring to the lampstand that, that was inside the tabernacle. The priests would keep lit and they put, you know, they'd trim the wicks and they'd keep oil for the lamp so it would keep burning. And this lamp was a symbol that said that in Israel was the true light of the world. The hope of the world was in Israel. But this lamp was starting to flicker and it was starting to dim. And so the combination of God's word being rare and the leaders being inept and disobedient and blind resulted in a spiritual malaise in Israel. And so the light in Israel was just barely flickering. And that's how our world feels right now. There is so much darkness and despair and conflict, but the lamp of God has not gone out. And this always sounds so dire, but this is precisely the time when God calls people, is in settings just like this. In times of need and in times of darkness, calling begins with a need. 
And uh, I, I read a, an article several years ago by uh, Jim Collins. Jim Collins uh, writes business books about business management. And uh, in this article, he was saying that um, far too many people, when they're thinking about starting a business or starting a church, they, think of, they talk about, you know, what's your vision for the church? What's your vision for the, for the business? What's the thing that you want to accomplish or what you want to build? And that's the modern idea that many of us think about our lives in terms of what's something great that you are going to create or you're going to do with your life. And what Jim Collins says is the wrong question to ask. He says the more important question is, what needs to be done? Where is there a problem? Where is there a hole? Where is there a problem and someone needs to go do something about that problem? And he says this is what motivates people is when your gifting is combined with a problem or a need. And you say, you know, someone needs to go do something about that. And I have the gifts. I think maybe God is calling me to go do that. It comes from a need. Calling begins with a need. And this is really important when you approach it that way, not about what's my big vision that I want to build, but what's the need that needs to be addressed. As you think about Samuel, I mean, we're going to look at Samuel's life over the next few chapters. You know, he's got this dying dynasty of these wicked priests that, that he's going to have to deal with. And then he has these wars with the Philistines, which is going to take up the next few chapters of the book. And then there's, the people are going to elect a king named Saul who disobeys the Lord. And he's going to have to go through all of that I doubt this was a fun calling. You know, I doubt this is a fun mission, but it was important. Something needed to be done, and Samuel is the one that God had called to do it. I think that's a really different thing than I have a dream for my life. I have these dreams that I want to accomplish. But I'll tell you that when you approach a, a calling, less in terms of fulfilling my personal passions... And more in terms of there is a need, and with my gifting, God has called me to do it. It enables you to remain faithful when it gets difficult. Because this wasn't about my passions and my joys. This is about what God had called me to do. And it's in times like these that God is at work. And you look at what he says here in this passage in verse 11. In the midst of all this need, in the midst of all this darkness, and the the light of the Lord is about to go out, it says in verse 11... The Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. Something is about to happen. And it's going to include the destruction of that old dynasty. But it will also include that God's word is going to go out to all of Israel through Samuel. There's going to be a raising up of new leaders which will lead to a spiritual revival in the people unlike anything that had happened in Israel before. That's what happens when the darkest times come. It's time for God to work. It is time for revival. Now, you might hear that, that when does a calling happen? It's during a times of need. And say, well, there are all kinds of things that need to be done. There's all kinds of problems in the world, in our communities, in our culture, in our church that need to be solved. We better go do it. Well, not so fast. The word calling means that we don't just run out and do these things. We don't just run out and solve problems. It is the Lord who is bringing healing and the kingdom to the world, and he calls people according to his own plans, his own timing, and his own purposes. And so this leads to a a second question. So first, when does the calling happen? It happens in times of need. When the word of the Lord was rare, when there was a need for new leaders, and, and there was a need for spiritual revival. But second, the second question is, How does a calling happen? 
And I want to point out two, I think, interesting insights about calling from this passage. How does a calling happen? The first answer to that is the Lord prepares us throughout our childhood. The Lord prepares us throughout our childhood. And in the last couple of chapters of 1 Samuel have been really about Samuel's childhood. Uh, last week we read in chapter 2, it says, Now the boy Samuel continued to grow both in stature and in favor with the Lord and also with man. And then this passage begins in verse 1 saying, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. He's a boy. These chapters are about Samuel's family of origin. They're about his childhood. Your calling is often tied to your childhood. It's often tied to things that have happened in your life. And I think of my own calling, uh, you know, and, and by the way, when your calling is tied to, tied to your childhood, it's both good things and bad things. You know, diff, you know, blessings that happen in your childhood and hardships that happen in your childhood. And I think, you know, my own calling, I... I I think some of my calling is I have an entrepreneurial spirit. I like starting ministries and, and starting things. And I didn't even realize that until my adulthood that, I, that when I was a child, my parents started a business when I was nine. And I just watched them start it from scratch. And they had an idea. And they said, we're going to do it. And then they just did it. And, and that's a part of my heritage. That's a part of who I am that was formed to me from my childhood. But also in adolescence... I had a lot of problems as a teenager, and my parents sent me away for a year and a half, and someone gave me a Bible. And it was through reading the Bible that my life was changed. And I couldn't go to church for the first year that I was a Christian, and all I had was a few Christians and a Bible, and I read it. And so for me, I've loved the Bible. I've carried that Bible everywhere I went. I love teaching it. I love talking about it. So those two things for me, I have an entrepreneurial spirit, and I love to teach the Bible. Those come from my childhood and my upbringing. Those things were formed during that time. There are certain burdens that have been formed in you. They may be some of the hardest things that you experienced in your childhood or adolescence. And a calling doesn't just happen all of a sudden. It is the methodical work of God in our lives over a lifetime. And what this also means is that when you think about your calling, you can't look at other people and say, well, what's their calling? Maybe I'll just copy that calling that doesn't work. God had been forming their calling from childhood. He's been forming a totally different calling in you from childhood. And so so a calling can't just be produced or stirred up. You can't make yourself called to do something that God hasn't been preparing for years. It involves an embracing of how God has made you and led you throughout your life. Calling involves, you know, reflection then probably on your childhood, reflection on your life, reflection on what God has been doing. And so how does a calling happen first? The Lord prepares us through a childhood. But the second answer that we see in this passage is that a calling happens when the Lord speaks to us personally. The Lord speaks to us personally. This passage is so personal. You know, Samuel's name is all over this passage. Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. He's saying his personal name. And uh, you'll notice that it's through these events that Samuel became a believer. And you you see that there in verse 7 where it says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Here's Samuel. Samuel had been growing up at the tabernacle under these priests. He grew up at church. And yet whatever age he is here, he doesn't know the Lord yet. 
And I want to take a moment to speak to children. If you're a child, raise your hand. Raise your hand if you're a child. Raise your hand if you're a tween or, you know, or also. And keep them up. Keep them up. Get them up there. Okay? All right. This, This passage is about a boy who grew up in church. And you know, all you kids, why are you here right now? You might say, well, my parents make me come to church. That's why I'm here. Well, that's a grace in your life. But what you also need to know is hear this. You cannot be a Christian just because your mom and dad are Christians. You can't say things like, well, my family's Christians. You know, so that's just what we do. If you are a child, you need to know that God loves you personally. You are not defined by your family. God sees through your family and calls you individually and says, I know you and I love you. And that was, was so amazing to me when I became a Christian is it wasn't just that God loves people in general, but God loved Nate Walker. God loves Samuel. God loves, put your name in the blank. God loves you. And you have to know that call personally. And the question for you, you kids, I want you to think about this, is do you believe that, that God loves you personally? Do you believe that? Then you should tell him that you believe that. And as we go through this service, as we take communion, as we pray later in the service, tell the Lord, I believe that you love me personally. Calling begins by God shaping us through our childhood and then personally calling us. Now, one of the things you might ask about this passage, well, you know, Samuel's being called, is, was he being called to become a believer, a Christian, in this passage? Or is he being called to ministry? You know, this seemed like two different things, being called to be a believer or being called to ministry. Well, in the Bible, the Bible doesn't separate those two things. You know, when Jesus called his disciples and they followed him and they said, I believe and I'm going to follow you, he, he was enlisting them to become missionaries, to be partners with him. And so when God saves us, he saves us out of a light of, of sin and darkness, but he also saves us to a life of mission, a life of service to him. Believing in Jesus and serving Jesus go hand in hand. And so that leads to our third question, is what do we do when we are called? What should we do when God calls us. And I think, again, Samuel is a model for us. See what it says there in verse 8. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the young man. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord, Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. If you want God to use you in your life for his kingdom, this is the posture right here. Speak, Lord, and I will do it. I am your servant. A significant part of a life of calling is when God says to do something, you do it. It's a principled life. And I'll tell you, that begins with your everyday life. How do you learn to have a posture of a speak, Lord, I'm your servant? Well, it begins in your everyday life. It begins with things like the Lord says, don't forsake meeting together. Keep the Sabbath day holy. What you're doing right now. 
where you gather and you say, you know what? I'm in God's house on the Lord's day, appearing before his throne and hearing his word and coming to his table. It's just on principle. That's what I do because I'm his servant. And he's commanded me to do it. Or if you wrong someone and Jesus says, you go tell them your fault and you apologize and you ask for forgiveness. You just do it. You don't just let it go by. Or if someone wrongs you, you say, I forgive them. It's not a question. Jesus commands me. I have to forgive people. God has forgiven me all my sins. I have to forgive people. It's not a question. Or I do my work under the Lord. Or I fight against lust and against anger. Because the Lord says, I have to fight against these things. I give of my money. I tithe and I worship with my money because the Lord says to do it. All of these small week-to-week, day-to-day things are the practicing of being a servant. When the Lord tells me to do something, I do it. And you have to start with these small everyday things before the Lord entrusts his servants with bigger things. We start with a posture of, Lord, speak, and I will do it. Now, some of you would say, I know that it's a good life to serve the Lord and not my own passions and my own desires and to say to the Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. But we so often don't do what we know he wants us to do. And, and this is the beautiful thing about a calling, is this whole passage is not about what Samuel's doing. The Lord keeps calling Samuel and, doesn't, and Samuel doesn't even know the Lord yet. It was the Lord who looked out on the culture and saw that the people needed the word of God and they needed new leaders and they needed revival. It was the Lord who'd been carefully preparing Samuel through his childhood. Even even before he was conceived, the Lord had called him. And then it was the Lord who came and spoke so personally, calling Samuel by name. Samuel, Samuel. And when Samuel doesn't hear it first, what does the Lord do? And I, I love this verse in verse 10 here. Look at the wording. And the Lord came... And stood calling. I think the Lord stood? I mean, God is a spirit. He is invisible. How is he standing there calling? And this is one of those many places in the Old Testament where the Lord comes down and he'd eat with people and he'd meet with people and speak with them. And Christians have thought that this is Jesus coming down in the Old Testament to call and gently, just as he did in the Gospels, calling people to himself to follow him. And when we realize that the Lord is doing all these, the things in this passage, we look again at the passage and say, well, who are we in this passage? Yeah, there's so much to learn from Samuel, but we are actually not Samuel. We are Israel in this passage, and Jesus is the fulfillment of Samuel In our day, he's the one who says to his father, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And he obeyed everything that his father commanded him. And Jesus is the fulfillment of verse 19. Look at what verse 19 says. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. Samuel led this revival through the whole nation. And all the people were like returning to the Lord. And they're wanting to hear the scriptures. And they want to learn from God. And which of us is going to go do that? Go through our whole nation and like revive all the people to love the word of God? None of us. Jesus is the one who is doing that. He is the greater Samuel. And the great blessing of a life of calling is that we're called in Jesus, the faithful one, the true eternal leader, the bringer of revival. And when we are in him, 
Our childhood is redeemed and filled with meaning. It is transformed into a calling. And it's in our calling that we will most deeply experience the personal love of Jesus for us as individuals. So as we worship Jesus today, may we hear his voice. Your servant stands before you, Lord, and may he deepen the call in each one of us for our lives. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Let's pray together. Gracious Father in heaven, uh, we thank you that um, not only you are a God of mission, at work in so many countless ways in every nation in the world, but that you would make us so weak and so small partners in the great mission of your kingdom. Lord, each of us, show us, reveal to us, guide us, shepherd us, that we might know our calling. May it be our deepest desire to serve you wherever you are calling us, to trust you. And we thank you that you redeem even the hard things in, in our childhood, in our upbringing, wherever it is, that they can all be used to serve you. That is our deep desire. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.